Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist Pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ. And now the message. To have ended on a on a lighter note, but I'm going to actually end with something that's I don't want to call it a you know a little bit of a heavy subject. I guess you could say just because of of how this particular topic or issue is starting to well not starting to it's grabbed our culture and. I wish I could tell you this morning that the church was immune to it and that um, the church wasn't having problems with it, but that would be a lie. As a matter of fact, I'll give you some statistics in the message to show you just how much the church is being affected by the subject matter and topic I'm going to cover today. And not only that, but it's, uh, it's, it really can be a, a death nail to a marriage. And so if you're in Matthew chapter 5, I want to start reading, if I could, in verse number 27. Matthew 5, chapter 27. Of course, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is, is preaching here, and he says this in verse 27. He says, you've, heard, it, you've heard, heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And he goes on in verses 29 and 30 and lays out some, some pretty, I mean, pretty, I guess you could say, hardcore methods of dealing with or taking seriously what he just threw at us. Look what he said in verse 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out <clears throat> and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that, thou, one of, that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast in hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that the whole body should be cast into hell. Verses 29 and 30, very interesting to follow the warning about adultery. Now, if you'll notice here, you know, we, somebody would ask the question, where does this fit into the final men's session of a marriage conference? Well, I'm interested in the fact that in verse 27, he points out that, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, there was a law that said you could not commit adultery. We, but we understand this about that law. That law was talking about the physical act itself. But under grace in verse 28, those stakes are raised. Okay, you know, a lot of times when you hear people talk about grace, they act like grace is always like a loosening of things. Not so. There's a lot of ways that grace brings to you and I more responsibility. So he says, look in verse 28, but I say now that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. The topic of our last session together, and again, I, I'm not apologizing for it, but it's a little bit of a heavy topic for men, uh, is, the, is the subject of pornography. It's a lot more dangerous than we think. As a matter of fact, it's, it's extremely dangerous. It's got spiritual implications, and it can and will have marital implications. And so we want to just, as Christian men, approach it today from a very um, sober Mindset. It don't matter how old you are. Uh, pornography has a draw to it for any age, and so we want to look at you know the de- the days of having to go into a uh, to buy it in public at a gas station or a video shop are over. If you have, as I said the other night, if you have a smartphone, you're a click click away from finding it. It's easily accessible, and in doing so, it, it wouldn't take very long at all, and you could have a you could have a, an addiction. You could have a problem. And it will definitely hurt your marriage, and I'll, I'll, I'll point that out today. 
uh, from, from, from the Word. Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, as Christian men, and we understand this is not a subject relegated only to men, but as Christian men, we realize, God, today that by what you said here in Matthew chapter 5, that uh, the stakes of uh, committing adultery have been raised. It's not just a physical act anymore, but now it's something that can be done in the heart and never show an outward sign, but we know that in the society we live in, there are a lot of avenues to get us there. So we're going to have to make some really spiritually mature decisions, and we're going to have to treat it as an enemy to our sanctification and have to be as aware and, and, and purposeful in staying away from it as we believe the last two verses we read give us indications to do. Bless in this time frame. Uh, enlighten our hearts and encourage us, God, to make strong spiritual stands to protect ourselves from this, dear Lord, spiritual cancer. You have your way. We'll give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Interested again in verses 27 and 28. The Lord said, you've heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh, now notice that looketh on a woman uh, to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. A look... And then a lust, he said, and adultery has already been committed. You and I know that in the summer months, it's hard to even go out in your community. I mean, just minding your business anymore. You can't hardly go to the gas station, the Walmart, or anywhere just to carry on a normal day without seeing things that you know you really don't need to see. We're living in a damn time because of what we would call the public undressing of America that our thought lives during certain seasons of the year face greater battles. However, there is also the possibility, because of the readily, easily access we have to this thing of pornography these days, that it's not something that's just relegated to a season of the year anymore when the weather's warm. Uh, Now it's something that we literally are carrying around with us at all times and in all places, and so we have to be very careful for that. I'll point out again here that in the Old Testament economy, the, the, the adultery that was being forbade then is of a physical nature. It was a physical act. Uh, and it had not been addressed in the way it is in the New Testament that now, because of grace, that the stakes are raised. Now, something that you can literally do in your mind and in your heart and never actually physically touch anyone besides your spouse. And so the stakes have been raised. There's a lot, uh, I guess you could say, uh, that you and I have to be aware of, maybe that an Old Testament believer may not have to. Uh, though there's no doubt, even in those days, we can look back in the Old Testament and see that there was the threat of looking and lusting. Uh, you find that in the book of Lamentations and other books that we'll, we'll, we'll vaguely touch on this morning. I'll tell you what I find interesting about in our text, though. After the issue of looking and lusting is addressed, which doubtlessly we know that viewing pornography would cause, that's exactly what it is, it's a look and a lust. But notice the remedy in verses 29 and 30 that, that's offered to us. He says, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast in hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast in hell. I think really what Jesus was saying there, more than anything, was that you know we know that we don't lose our salvation if we were to be drawn into that. And what he is saying for somebody that, that this issue of looking and lusting can so have a hold on an individual that it could stand in the way between them and salvation. In other words, they can have such an addiction to it that they may say, well, if i got to get saved and give that up, then I'm just not going to. He said, oh, you'd be better off to pluck your eyes out and not go to hell over it. You know what I'm saying? But from a Christian standpoint, I believe here's the principle in play. What he is teaching 
context is this. We know the Bible is written in context. There's a context to it, so I'm not grasping for straws. But here's what Jesus is saying. If you find a scenario or situation where you are uh, caught in the, in the, cob or the, tang, the, uh, the web of deceit, of looking and lusting, whatever it is that's giving you that avenue, you're better to get out of your life. And so back in the text, if it's your eyes, if it's your hands, your feet, he talks about dismemberment because that would be the highest level. That would be, a, be, a, be a, one of those um, measures taken that you'd be like, man, that guy went to, to extreme measures to get himself away from that sin. And so for you and I, that's still the same principle. I mean, if, if I can't handle my smartphone, they do still make flip phones, right? If I work on a job and there is, there's, an, there's a lady there who dresses provocatively and, and I, I am finding myself just, I'm talking about overly tempted, it bombards my mind all the time, I would be better off to switch jobs before I would be to lose my marriage. I mean, he's talking about taking extreme measures to make sure that you don't fall into a looking and lusting uh, situation where it ends up costing you and drawing you into sin. Now, as I said earlier, because of the ease of accessibility, and the depravity of our flesh, even after we get saved, we know our flesh doesn't get saved. We are as depraved in our spirit, man. Though we have, I mean, in our, in, our, in our nature, though we have the Holy Spirit now there that's guiding us, rebuking us, teaching us, leading us into righteousness and away from the things that we once were engulfed in. Everybody in here still got a sin nature. We're all as capable of everything we did before and worse. Uh, we're still capable of those kinds of things. That's why you find some of God's greatest servants in the Bible committing some of the most atrocious acts of sin. When we think about David, we usually only talk about David from the standpoint of, you know, the, the sweet psalmist of Israel, uh, you know, Israel's shepherd, the king, a man after God's own heart. But I mean, if, if a modern day politician did what David did, we would tag him the greatest scoundrel in history. I mean, think about it. You, you, you commit adultery with your, your top soldier, your general's wife, and then you have him put on the front lines that you're, you're an accessory to murder so that you can hide the sin that you committed with her. That's a scoundrel by all definitions. But we look at David a little differently because we know that we know the other side of David's life. He was a man that loved the Lord. But can I say this? If David's capable of that, so are we. And worse. And so what we realize is that we're living in a day and time. For the younger guys, uh, I, I want to say this, and I don't mean this to be disparaging or anybody, and I'm not cutting the older men out. But for the younger guys in the room, uh, most of us uh, are involved with, in some way, shape, or form, this thing of social media. We realize that, uh, th that those uh, different platforms may uh, allow you or show you things from time to time. It may not be considered pornography because it's of a softer nature, but it's a gateway. It starts the thought process. It leads you, entices the flesh, and leads you into, uh, I guess you could say, wanting to maybe see more. Go farther uh, platforms, especially like TikTok and things like that. And some of you may or may not have any clue what that is. And if you don't, you're not missing anything. It's not, you're, you're, there's nothing about that that's worthy of, worthy of your time or energy or effort. Uh, but I'll say this right here, that we need to realize that the Bible is very clear that what we see affects us. In Lamentations chapter 3, in verse 51, Jeremiah said, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of the daughters of my city. He said, what I see has an impact on me. I, indelibly, when you talk about this in a, in, a, in a setting like this, there'll be somebody, and maybe not here, uh, but there'll be somebody that says something like, ah, oh, it don't bother me none. You know, guys, I always, I've always cracked up at the guys. I can go to the coast in, in, in you know, July, it don't bother me none. Well, yeah, you're either blind or 
if it don't bother you any. I'm just being honest with you. That's just my philosophy. Don't come at the pastor because I said that. That's just me. I'm just telling you, it bothers us. Don't, don't lie to yourself and think you can look at a scantily dressed lady and it not bother you. That's a lie. You're lying to yourself. You need to have a come to the Jesus meeting, come to the light meeting. It bothers all of us, okay? And then you got the naive young man in Proverbs chapter 7. And whenever Solomon's looking out the encasement of his window and he's watching that scene unfold down on the corner there, he said this right here. He said, behold, there met him, that young man, a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. Why was she dressed in that provocative manner? Because her intentions were to lure him into a rendezvous in the nighttime. So what I'm saying is this right here is that we have to be careful. If it's happened to those guys, it can happen to and will happen to any of us that expose ourselves to it. Now, with that being said, this morning, uh, we understand that, as I said earlier, you know, there was a day and time whenever it was hard to get a hold of, and it's easy now. And this thing of, the, the word pornography basically comes from two Greek words. One means, porneo means prostitute. The graphia means to write or record. So it's any kind of recording and or picture of what would be considered a prostitute or one that is dressed in that provocative type of manner. It comes in movies, books, magazines, websites. It comes in quite a categories, hard and soft. And can I say this? If you start, everybody that ends up with hard or an addiction to hard started with something soft. It started with something simple. Uh, and, and, and we're even, we're in danger now in a lot of ways and, and we're not even aware of it because we've become accustomed to it, but just billboards and, and, and advertisements, you know, not even on the television, just walking to a store. I don't know what a scantily dressed woman has to do with selling cheeseburgers, but they find a way to put them in there, right? And uh, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll buy your cheeseburger. Just make it look juicy with bacon on it. I'll buy it. You ain't got ain't to be a, a lady wearing, you know, something that, she, you know, I don't need to see that. I just, I can eat the cheeseburger without it. You got to sell me a set of tires. I don't need to see a lady in a bikini. Yeah. Right? But it seems like they know what sells. And so they seem to want to push that stuff on us all the time. Uh, it's in our face 24-7. So the Christian male in today's society has really got to make a covenant with his eyes. He's going to have to stay close to his God. Uh, or, or if not, then we would all, or we can all fall subject uh, to this. You know, in the Bible, anytime uh, that, that, that there was an a, a unveiling of the flesh, it always led to something really bad. A lot of times, give me two examples. In the book of Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 25, we know that Noah gets off the ark, plants a vineyard, and, and uh, maybe he discovers fermentation. Anyway, he gets drunk. His son sees him uncovered in his tent. And there's a curse placed upon him. He sees his nakedness. And we know the Bible speaks against that. And then uh, one of the more famous ones is in 2 Samuel chapter 11. At a time whenever kings go off to war, David should have been down with his troops probably. But instead he was on the rooftop. Unfortunately, Bathsheba gets a bad rap about that. It wasn't her fault. It was a time of day usually when ladies would go on the rooftop to bathe. And so when David walked up there that evening or that afternoon, he knew there was a chance in the, in the kingdom as his palace overlooked the area below him, he knew there was a chance there was probably going to be some ladies out, and uh, we could debate, you know, what's behind all that. We won't worry about that today, but the bottom line is he saw her down there bathing, and that from a distance, that silhouette of a pornographic image is what caused him to sin for her against the counsel of his men that said, is not this Uriah's wife? And whenever you have had that seed of lust planted in your heart, man, your, your, your brain function turns off. And the lust kicks in. Next thing you know, it's go, go, go. You, you take all reasonable, reasonableness 
out of your thought process. I mean, men will literally, whenever you incite that lust, we forget about our families we may lose. We forget about the trust of our wife and maybe what we've built up to this point. Next thing you know, you're just click, 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 and you're in a mess. And that happened to David. And so anytime in the Bible there's anything that has to do with an uncovering and a nudity being exposed, it always leads to something extremely bad because that's the nature of sin. Now, to tell you how or show you real quickly this morning how big of a deal this really is, what time do we cut off, Pastor? It's 10.30 now. Do we cut off? We cut. Is it 11 o'clock? 10.45. Okay, that's okay. Now, I just want to make sure I'm on one point here, okay? Real quickly, I want to show you how big this thing has gotten in our culture because you may or may not be aware of this. Interesting stats on pornography, okay? More money is spent on pornography yearly than all three of the major sports combined. As a matter of fact, the revenue, the revenue that, that the pornography is making now is also bigger than ABC, NBC, and CBS's revenue combined. More money is spent on pornography yearly than what America spends on foreign aid in a calendar year. In 2006, it's estimated, listen to this, that the revenue for sex-related entertainment businesses were just under 13 billion. That was in 2006. Now they have the creation of this new thing called OnlyFans, where the lady next door, without having to have any connection to anyone in the pornographic industry, can literally start from her own home, her own platform where she is subscribed to. And, and here's the sad part. This is, this is where it gets crazy. These people are making tens of thousands of dollars a month and some of them making six figures a month. So put yourself in the shoes of a young lady who had maybe made a mistake in her life. Now she's a single mom. She's struggling to make ends meet. And someone says, if you're willing to expose yourself, you'll never have a money worry the rest of your life. And they take them up. And so we're living in a different day and time. Here are a few stats on how people perceive porn. And that's why this is such a, this is becoming a, a, an issue that is, there's a, there's a gap between the generation before mine and the generation below mine. We're that middle gap. We can go either way. But listen to this. 90% of teens today and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral on the subject of porn and whether it's bad or not. 55, just 55% of adults 25 years or older believe that porn is wrong. Now listen to this, this is a staggering statistic. Teens and young adults from the age of 13 to 24 believe that not recycling is worse than viewing pornography. That means it's gaining a cultural acceptance, which means this, as we reach people out in this world and we see them saved and come to Christ and we begin the discipleship, many of them will come into our assemblies with this baggage of a, a lot of exposure to, the, to pornography. And many of us, if we're going to disciple these young men and even young ladies along the way, we're going to have to understand it. We can't be addicted to it ourselves, or we would have a lot of hypocrisy going on in our life and realize that that'll be no different than reaching a drunk or no different than reaching someone on drugs. Now, we know the power of Jesus can break any chain in our life, right? But I'm just saying that, that, that culture is changing in the way that it views this. And so therefore, usually and unfortunately, what becomes accepted out there is only about a decade behind becoming more and more accepted inside the walls of the church, okay? Let me give you some pornography statistics that tell you how it's affecting the church. Are you ready? 
one in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors use pornography on a regular basis and are currently struggling with it. That means this, that 50,000 U.S. church leaders right now have an addiction to and struggle with pornography. If that's in our leadership, what's in our pews? 43% of senior pastors and youth pastors say they struggle with pornography in the past, and 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they view pornography at least one time a month. That is over, think about this, on any average Sunday morning in your assembly, by the statistics, half the people in our church, half the men, and about 15% of the women have viewed pornography in the last month, and many of them have addictions to it. This is a serious issue. Matter of fact, if you want to get technical about it, it's, it's a bigger issue than the fentanyl epidemic we have. It's a bigger issue than the alcoholism in our communities. It's, it's a huge issue. The reason that it's not talked about a lot and we don't, uh, we don't aggressively attack it is because it's somewhat sanitized and kept behind the scenes. We could be sitting in this room right now, and in this room right now, most likely, there are some struggles that happen. You can be sitting here right now, and you can wear the suit and the tie to church, and you can, you know, we can sing the hymns. We can do all these things, and nobody would ever know. It's not like I come in with a hangover, and you can tell. It's not like I've been messing with a street drug, and you can look at my complexion and tell. However, if I'm messing with pornography on the inside spiritually, I'm drying up and dying. And not only that, but as you'll find out here momentarily, it's having a major impact on my marriage. Let me give you this quickly. We only have about eight or nine minutes left, and I want to only just real quickly hit some biblical principles for dealing with the subject of pornography. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I want to talk about what, what the, the fact that what pornography causes is condemned. In Leviticus 18.6, the Bible says, None of you shall approach to any that is near kin to him and covers nakedness. I am the Lord your God. So in the Old Testament economy, the Lord said, I don't even want you, I don't even want you seeing your, your next of kin. Now, they lived in very communal situations back in the Old Testament. He said, I don't even want you seeing your next of kin uncovered. Well, I, mean, I, want, I want you to understand that, that ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God said, okay, we got, you're, you're, you're naked before and didn't know it. We've got to cover this stuff up because even though there's still just you two, you're going to populate and it's going to become a problem, okay? And so God, you know, they, they put on, they, they tried to create a, a wardrobe, and God's like, hey, you ain't covered enough, so we're going to go from them aprons you're wearing, and we're going to put a coat on you, okay? We've got to cover that flesh up. And, uh, and ever since then, after that, when the law was given, God said, keep the nakedness covered, okay? Now, if you can't see your next of kin's nakedness, then guess what? <laughs> Everybody else around you is off limits, too. People you know, people you don't know, right? Except for your wife. And so we see that pornography, what it causes is condemned. Number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Uh, pornography causes sin in our thoughts. And that's why so many times we compartmentalize it. We don't, we don't, we don't think about it as much because I'm not hurting anybody, we think, but me. But if you're married, you're hurting your spouse, and you're also sinning against your God because that's ultimately where all sin ends up being in transgression. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, verses 25 through 28, for us to lust not after a woman in her beauty. And um, it, there it's still talking about the lady uh, who is um, scantily dressed. Watch what it goes on to say in verse 26. For by the means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And then it's interesting because in verses 27 and 28 of Proverbs 6, he says this. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Uh, can, a, can, a, can, a, can one go on the hot coals and his feet not be burned? No. In other words, if you get close enough to... Uh, that, that scantily dressed lady or the viewing of and the uh, maybe addiction to pornography, 
it will affect you. There's no way you can walk through that fire and not get burned. So you have to be very careful of that. Number three, understand this about pornography, that it is a form of covetousness. You're looking at, we're, we would be looking at and lusting over something that was not ours to have. Whether it be a, another man's wife or whether it be a lady that's not our spouse. It, because that's what the look and the lust causes. You to want something that's not yours. And can I also say this right here? It creates some unrealistic expectations for marriage, especially in the arena of intimacy. When it comes to viewing pornography by video, what a lot of young men don't understand is they are actors. That is a production, and it's just us guys in here, so I can talk plain this morning. That is nothing but a pre-scripted play, okay? And... You would not, it would, it would just, it would bring us probably to tears to know the, the women who, whose husbands have that for their idea and standard of what marital intimacy is supposed to be like and have a disappointed husband. Now, I'm just going to stop and ask a question. How many of you in here are, 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 are dads to daughters? I have three. All right. Here's the, here's the big question, the big ask, as they would say. Do you really want a guy with a pornography addiction to marry your daughter and expect unrealistic things out of her? And the answer is no. Set a bar she could never live up to, right? Well, then that's how serious we should take this. We should take this so serious as if that, 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 that's what... The next generation is being exposed. As a matter of fact, it probably would not be a bad idea to make that part of the conversation you may have with a young man. And if he's ever had an interaction or an addiction to it or whatever the case may be, make sure he's got victory and make sure he's deprogrammed from an expectation level that is not realistic at all because there's a lot of people that suffer so innocently. Number four, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And this is where I want to get a little bit medical with you here. Pornography is habit forming. People don't, a lot of times we don't think about that when we have brushes with it, but it is habit forming. And here's what the Lord said about habits. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I, and I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, when he said all things are lawful for me, he wasn't talking about sinful things, of course. But here's one thing Paul said, I will not let anything outside of the Holy Spirit of God control my life. I will, nothing will be habitual for me. And can I say this? We have to be very careful. It is proven medically and scientifically that pornography is habit-forming. Biopsychologists have studied the effects of it, and, and what they have found in what it does to the brain is that it changes who you are as a person. A lot of people don't know this because this was almost before many of our time. I was born in 1976. Some of you older gentlemen in the room will remember Ted Bundy, of course, the the famed killer that raped and murdered 30 women in the 70s. And when interviewed, he said this, an addiction to pornography was a contributing factor to his behavior. He had so consumed pornography that it so programmed his brain that he quit seeing women as human beings and saw them as an instrument that he could inflict his lust upon. And so therefore, that's why he valued their life so little and he took advantage of them the way that he did. One, one, one particular 
biopsychologist named William Struthers. He, read a, he wrote a book I would just recommended reading, of course, if your pastor would agree. It's called Wired for Intimacy. And here's what he said about his studies. Viewing pornography for pleasure and curiosity creates neuropathways in the brain. And the more those pathways are traveled, the wider they get until they become ruts. He says over time, it creates an addiction to the place where someone with a pornography addiction would prefer their pornography over a physical relationship. That's dangerous. And it is real. It really happens to people, okay? Do you know that, that the studies they've done on pornography, and I only have a few minutes left, they have found that it gives the brain the same type of feeling that heroin or cocaine gives it. We're chemically made up, and, and the pleasure that pornography brings to us mentally, it releases dopamine, and that is the chemical in your body that says that felt good. I want to go back. It's like, it's like, why do deer come to the corn pile? To eat, right? And when they come to the corn pile one time, I don't know, do y'all do this up here? Back home, we put like, we'll take peanut butter and stuff it down in stumps. And they'll come and lick the peanut butter out of the stumps. And once they find one, they come back to it, right? Over and over and over. You know why? Because they got what they were looking for, okay? Well, that's funny. What's it's illegal here. Yeah, well, sorry. we do a lot of illegal stuff back in North Carolina. I, mean, I don't do it. I mean, I'm just saying the guys do it, okay? You know, you're not supposed to shoot them at night from your car, but if you're ever riding down a country road and you see a spotlight running down the edge of a field line, you know what's happening in the south, all right? And uh, so I just told and sold out all the boys down south. It is what it is, all right? Okay, so we see that pornography is habit-forming. I mean, it, it does have, it has so much of an effect on us. It starts putting us in a, in a bad situation. Number five, understand that pornography is deceptive. The Bible teaches us in Hebrews eleven twenty five, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And, and, and I'm not going to sit up here today and say there's no pleasure in looking at it, but that season ends. The question is, when does it end? Does it end whenever, whenever you've been exposed to it and you're like, I can't do that, that's wrong, that's a sin against God, sin against my wife. No, it's got to stop. That, that's when it needs to end, immediately, if you're exposed, but some people follow it through until it leads to later down the line, whenever there is an addiction in place, and whenever you have a, a hurt or broken wife, and then maybe down the line you end up having uh, marital trouble. So why are people drawn to it? I'll give you this and I'm done, last minute. The Bible says in James 1:14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then we know when lust conceived, it brings forth sin, sin that is finished brings forth death. So here's the bottom line. Deep inside of most men, the area of intimacy and the draw to our wives, hopefully only in heart and mind, but the female alone is natural. We understand when we get married, we have to become very singular focused, right? We're supposed to have one standard of beauty. The standard of beauty for all of us is whoever your wife is. Yeah. Not, not, some, not some lady who's had surgeries and Botox and everything else, not that, not somebody's been photoshopped, but your wife should be the single most beautiful person or woman in your life. And we have lust inside of us, so we can't act like, well, I'm a Christian, I ain't got to worry about that. No, you probably have to worry doubly, because the adversary would love to take a Christian man with a heart for God who wanted to really serve the Lord and stay on the fire lines and just, just get him in the wrong place at the wrong time, something in front of him, and then next thing you know, the curiosity kicks in again, and we go back to it, and we're in a mess. So what do you do with it? Well, two things, and I'm finished. 
if you ever find yourself in a place where it has got its hooks in you, the first step is confession. 1 John 1, 9 says you take it to the Lord and you confess it in your life. Why does God make us do that when he already knows our sin? Because when you confess something and you have to confess it one time as a sin to God, the next time you even consider touching it again, God reminds you, you've already had to get right about that one time. And you'll have to keep getting right if you mess with it. So leave it alone. Number two, there needs to be change. Paul said it this way. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if, if you or I ever find ourselves to where we have come across it, we have started to get warm to it, we've even been involved with it, there needs to be a quick confession and then a change, which means this right here, back to your text, do whatever you have to do to get it out of your life. It is a spiritual cancer and it will do great damage to our marriages. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126-541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17112. And visit our website at www.svbcpa.org. Until next time.